Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. This morning's scripture reading starts in Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And in chapter Luke, uh, in the, I mean the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 5 through 19, we read, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be all at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, 
which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Thank you, Alice. I've said before, and it bears remembering, there are several parts of scripture, and probably more than I can remember off the top of my head, that have to be read in their entirety, or it's just plain not healthy, spiritually, emotionally, perhaps for some even mentally, to stop reading certain books. If you get past the third chapter of Ecclesiastes and the song turn, turn, turn fades from your ears and you keep reading vanity of vanities all is vanity saith the preacher, Ecclesiastes. And you get to about chapter eight or nine and you're so depressed you stop reading, it's not healthy. You need the last few chapters of Ecclesiastes because he comes back up out of that valley and you gotta hear it. The story of Job Oh, sure, it's a story of patience, but what a long, depressing story of patience if, again, you get bored and quit and don't read the ending. There are parts of the story of Daniel that are a little rough. And the revelation, oh, my word. I told you about a couple that were reading the scriptures together, an older couple that read to each other every evening. They, they said, it was up in Maine, so they said, David, we've been reading that revelation to St. John, and we're might confused. I said, Elwood, start over again. And first say a little prayer about reading St. John's Nightmare. About three or four weeks later, he says, David, Elvira, and I have found it quite useful to read Revelation and think of it as John's Nightmare. And it worked. But you can't quit. If you've got dreams of dragons in the sky trying to eat the child and the mother in the heavens, oh my word, you'll stop with nightmares. And maybe it was a nightmare, I don't know, John wrote some strange stuff there. Don't stop. The book of Isaiah is believed to be three generations of prophets named Isaiah. Proto, deutero, and trito, Isaiah, again, Theologians have to use Greek words. They can't just say first, second, third, but easier. But Jerusalem had been besieged, had been overcome. The walls had been raised, that is, torn down. Many peasants and soldiers were killed. I listened to a speech by General Norman Schwarzkopf at West Point. Some reporter had his notepad out doing math and the general said, we faced this many people and we, we captured this many and this many of the Republican Guard were let go back to Baghdad. And the reporter, when it came to our question, said, General, your numbers don't add up. What do you mean? Well, you caught so many and you let so many go, but there's a lot missing. The reporter wasn't thinking this through. And Storm and Norman said, we left a lot of bodies in the desert. That's kind of what Jerusalem looked like when the Babylonian Empire got done with them. And they took all the 
the smart people, all the educated, all the administrators, all the scribes, and they carted them off to Babylon. That's where you get the stories of when David was in the uh, Daniel was in the Persian Empire, but you get all the stories of people there weeping by the rivers, praying not to forget the songs of Zion, the Psalms, there on the banks of the rivers in Babylon. Here we have the promise from Isaiah, again, toward the end of the book, of all that will be restored and more so, of a restoration almost of Eden, if you will, but a restoration for God's people. So Isaiah, as long as the book is, if you sit down with the challenge of reading Isaiah, don't stop. It bears reading the whole story. Now, I have had folks, some well-thought, reasoned people, some people uh, greatly stressed in thought by happenings in the world and a little bit um, <clears throat> over I don't want to say paranoid or conspiracy theorist. I'm one of those myself sometimes, but very upset. Pastor, look at this passage in Luke. Look at these passages in Revelation. It's got to be the end times. Jesus has got to be coming next week. How can you as a pastor not agree with me? It's been some interesting conversations. I'll tell you. Because you know I'm not quite that nutty. Well, do you? Okay, chuckle with me, please. I'm, 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 there are days Kathy's not sure. But people are adamant that they can read the signs that even Jesus said, the Son of Man doesn't know the day and hour, but these folks are sure. Look at all the horrible things going on in the world. And we could get awfully upset by things going on in this nation, this community, this commonwealth in the world. You read the list that Jesus speaks of, and he says, temple's gonna, be, gonna fall down. And you know what happened about 37 and a half years later? The Romans tore down the temple. He wasn't kidding. Now, it wasn't quite all the stones, because we still have the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, to go to for prayer, but the temple's gone, and it's not been rebuilt in all the years since. False prophets, the ones who say, I know, I spoke directly to Jesus. He told me the day it's gonna happen. Jesus said, don't, don't buy it, don't buy it. But nation will rise against nation, check. Kingdom against kingdom, check. There'll be great earthquakes, check. In various places, famines, check. Pestilences, oh boy, check. Now, I don't know about terrors and great signs from heaven. Some of the people who have tried to convince me think they see them. I don't know what they'll be. Revelation says worse than we can imagine, so we aren't there yet. Certainly. Before this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. Now, with all that's been going on, and I've repeatedly promised from this pulpit that if you guess my politics, I have failed at some edge of a sermon. You know my background too, so it's probably not that difficult. But I was getting for weeks and weeks before these midterm elections, I was getting emails from a denominational headquarters saying, tell your people thus when they vote. 
And it, none of it was about the gospel. None of it was about what would Jesus vote, which drives me nuts. It was about social or political agendas. And it said, from your pulpit, pastor, tell your people that they'd better vote thus on this issue and that on the other issue and this one on, the, on this issue. You notice how many of those I passed on to you, either in newsletter or from the pulpit. I'll, I'll reiterate it. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that Christ may win our hearts. And when we make decisions with neighbors, about neighbors, for neighbors, whether it's local, whether it's at the ballot box, whether it's organizationally, that we do so with the grace, mercy, and love that Jesus would have us display to all around us. And it's getting tougher. I hope you folks haven't experienced we have people who can't talk civilly to you at work. People who can't talk civilly at a family Thanksgiving table. Where social media is real easy to pen venom in social media because you're not looking a human being in the eye when you type it. And you don't even have to put your real name on it sometimes. It's ugly. And then you get somebody pounding saying, this is the end times, this is the end times. Read the end of Isaiah, read the end of Revelation, read the promises of Christ. The opportunity will come to bear witness. Parents have been arrested and taken out of school board meetings. They've been denied to know what's in the schools. People have lost their jobs over what would seem on the surface like very silly things until it's your job and your career lost. Over choice of words and free speech. Especially free speech when you're speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. When you're trying to speak of your faith. Now we're not yet to the point where other regimes, and I, I studied the history of Germany in the 1930s and 40s a lot. I mean, we're not in prison like the, the uh, pastors and professors of the confessing church who were arrested and some of them martyred for their faith. We're not there yet. But there are times when we will need words of wisdom inspired by the Holy Spirit as the Apostle Paul, as the Apostle Peter, as most of the apostles, remember of the original 12 plus Paul, one died in his bed. And in exile at that. That was John who wrote the Revelation. Separated from his people on a mining island called Patmos. Wow. But when it came time to speak, whether it was before corrupt religious rulers, whether it was in a Roman prison, whether it was the, the civil magistrate. When the time came to speak, some of these people were simple fishermen. And yet they spoke with an eloquence that the tribunals could not refute. It came from the Holy Spirit. So instead of, instead of practicing speeches in our minds, and I'm a terrible one at that, I do it all the time. Well, this is what I should have said or this is what I'm going to say. Jesus says, don't waste your emotional energy. Care for and love neighbors, even the family members who will turn on you because of 
politics or social issues or whatever is driving the wedges between the faithful, even at the family table. Love them anyway. Focus on the relationship, not on the issues. Love them anyway. And if the time comes that we have to speak for our faith, to seek the courage from the Holy Spirit, to seek the eloquence from the Holy Spirit, to seek that God will provide the message and the word to be gracious, merciful. Uh, A teacher friend of mine out in Montana uses the word winsome, not used often in modern English. Winsome, to win some to you, be winsome for Christ. That is, be emotionally attractive. Words like honey, not vinegar. Be someone that will draw people to Christ, not repel them from the, the vehement emotions that we might have. And I'll confess for all of us, I can get pretty stirred up about some of it. I really can. You can probably tell in the fact that I'm trying to preach the love, I'm trying to preach the relationship over that. Because again, I listen to the video later when I edit it and I hear it myself again. I need to. I won't ask for a show of hands how many might have to hear it again too. And Jesus promises us that by our endurance we gain our lives. Just before that he says some of you will be put to death. Again, we're not quite there yet, although your, your career might be put to death. Your social standing might be put to death. Your sometimes breaks my heart family relationships might die. But not a hair of your eternal life head will perish. We have a greater destination. We have a greater consolation. And we can seek the reflection of that life, that consolation, that kingdom in this life as well. In how we eat together, live together, love together, serve together, and pray together, always in the name of Jesus Christ. And let that be the strength Let that be the guide. Let that draw us back from the temptation to return harsh words with harsh words. Oh, that's hard not to do. For me anyway, I'll confess. To be the winsome child of God. To be the the fetching sister or brother of Christ. To be the fisher person. I know, fishermen don't apply. To be the angler for God that he calls each of us to be. And you put out some tasty, nice-smelling bait, don't you? You don't try to fish with vinegar or whatever. Some of the bait's not appealing to me, but you get my point. It's appealing to the fish. Be winsome. Be trusting in Christ. Even when it seems like his voice and his voice through us is, is being squelched out on the public radio, even when it seems like it might cost us. Don't back off from the word of God that is in Jesus Christ. And don't back off from being Christ-like in speaking it. It's a wondrous challenge with a wondrous, wondrous promise in it for us. Read the book to the end. Thanks be to God. Amen. And amen. Thank you 
for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.